Welcome to another exciting episode of Legends in the Dark. Though Halloween has come and passed, don't start listening to that Christmas music just yet. Because we're going to take you to a place where Halloween never truly ends. We'll take you to the most sinister of all geometric shapes. The Triangle. Or, to be more specific, the Bridgewater Triangle. My name is Jay. And I am Leslie. So grab a cup of coffee, eat the last of that Halloween candy, and listen to these legends in the dark. So do you know this month that Ghostbusters is supposed to be coming out? I think it's the 19th. Mm, Yes, I know. I'm looking quite forward to that. I know. You know, I really am excited. Even though that Halloween's kind of done, I'm really excited to watch this, but I'm super excited about Christmas coming. I know. You know, like did I tell you that I was reading this book called 12 Nights of Christmas is like a rom-com, and Chris saw it and he slapped it on my hands. He's like, it's not even Halloween yet. I feel like I would have had a similar reaction to that. I know. I think he thinks like I'm a department store. Like October department store. I know October fifth. They already had Christmas um, ornaments out. So how are you been doing, Jay? I'm doing good. How's your Halloween? Well, at the time of this recording, it hasn't actually occurred yet. But but it's the weekend. I mean, have you been already watching? I've been reading that. I haven't. I you know what? Honestly, okay. So here's here's my relationship with Halloween. I love Halloween, right? But. I have this thing where I, I will at the when when October begins I'll be like, all right yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna watch like a bunch of scary movies and I'm gonna do all this like I'm gonna put decorations up and I'm gonna do all kinds of Halloweeny stuff. Next thing I know it's like October twentieth and I'm like oh crap I haven't watched any movies <laughs> I haven't done anything yet. I actually feel the exact same way. Usually I'm following people on. Instagram, who are showing up all their Halloween stuff. I'm on my Bookstagram, mm-hmm. following everyone. Like I, I've only, I'm only in the middle of that book that I told you last week. I was reading because I was doing research for the Bridgewater, and then I don't know what it is. It's like next thing I know, on Monday it's going to be November first, and this weekend I'm like, okay, that's it. That's it. I'm going to watch all these horror movies, and then I ended up, don't know how it happened, but I found myself trying out the free trial for seven days for the Hallmark movies just because I wanted to see... I know! And then I'm all like... I know! And it's like, okay, no, I'm still... I love Halloween. It's still in me. And I'm like, oh, but look at those Christmas lights. (laughs) I would love to be able to say, like, oh, you know, I, I went to, like, you know, Hobbs Grove or... I, you know, binge, yeah, yeah. Haunted House or binge watched like all the Friday the 13th movies or something, something, anything. But it's like, I don't know. It's like, like October, I think it just kind of gets away from me sometimes. I'm just like. Definitely this year. I don't know why it felt like this year just, it went by so fast. I think it was like, because like to me, like it never really feels like. October until it's like already almost over basically yeah and then like we got a notice at work saying that we're not dressing up we're like they're basically saying they haven't done this in years but again once again we are not dressing up for Halloween which a lot of people were like we're not even open to the public this is when we should be dressing up for Halloween yeah like who are we dressing all professionally for exactly like (laughs) 
like what upper management? I see, <laughs> I, see, I see upper management walking around in like high water jeans and sweaters. It's like who cares? I don't know. I actually saw one of my um, I saw someone wearing like a cami sweater and stuff. I'm like, oh, we can start wearing that stuff. I mean, it looked good. I'm not saying it, anything was wrong with it. It looks comfortable, and that's all like what I want to wear. I want to stop wearing my blouses and my collared shirts. I really want to wear something comfortable, especially now that winter has set it in. I'm just going to start wearing my hoodie with a t-shirt underneath it or something. See how long you get away with it? Well, I'll keep the hoodie zipped up. Yeah. As long as I got my badge hanging outside, like, who cares? Maybe I should decor- decorate my cubicle this year for Christmas. That's the thing, like, I... I didn't even put like a wallpaper on my computer for Halloween. It's just. Oh, it's... you should see mine. I got the I got the Microsoft one where it has an eagle. Not an eagle. Wow. What am I, a Philadelphia fan? <laughs> no. Um, it has a raven and it has a statue from a cemetery with like cobwebs, and then they have um, this really my favorite one is this lone bench in this twilight foggy area, and I found I was in. Not Transylvania. Where is it from? Romania? Uh, maybe, yeah. And it's just like, it's a, it's my favorite Halloween kind of background. But I don't know why everyone sees like the raven bird and for some reason thinks it's like, I have a pet raven at home. I, I guess I give off that, that You vibe. give off like, I have a pet bird thing? Yeah, not just any bird, but a raven. Which I'm like, yeah, I totally want to be that one. I, I always pegged you as like a crazy cat lady or something. Excuse me? Does that look like I'm a crazy cat lady? Yes. Black statue of a cat? Yes. Still. Yeah. Because it's a cat decoration. (laughs) Okay. Well, tonight though, before we start into the Christmas section and year, we're still a little bit... Halloween-y. I know. Just because it's like we said, it's Halloween week and Halloween's actually tomorrow for us. But to help us really get in the mood for this spooky weekend, I really love the stories that I have for the Bridgewater Triangle. Like, my last story tonight, you asked me, like, hey, what were your stories? And I completely, because we, we did this research weeks ago, I completely forgot, like, three of my stories, but this last one. Oh, sorry. Also, if you hear some heavy breathing, that's my dog, Jessie. You forgot she was there. I did. <laughs> okay. She's so cute. So here, let me go first, because I got a little bit of history of it. And I want to, right now, apologize to the Massachusetts people because I probably will pronounce the names wrong of the towns. I'm really sorry. It's more than likely. Yeah, I was even on Google before we started, like, listening to how to pronounce it and just sitting here pronouncing it and pronouncing it. And literally now I just realized I forgot how to pronounce it. (laughs) Welcome to Wester. Dollar 25, please. What's that from? Little Tollbooth Willie. It's an Adam Sandler thing. It's kind of sounding like Sean Connery. He kind of did a little bit, but anyways, go on. <laughs> that was a random, random tangent. All right, so my sources tonight are is the 2013 documentary, The Bridgewater Triangle, which at the time this I did this in September, it was on Amazon Prime for free. It was a really interesting documentary. You and I watched a little bit of it because I will. I did one of the stories on it about the hitchhiker. I think it was really well done with the interviews. Except for that one section was really... <laughs> just remembering when the, the scene where they show the, the, the hitchhikers show up in like the bags and he's just like... Mm. like just, know, for, for those who... Who's, just like you a know. Card, like this wide-eyed look on his face. like It, it was... I mean, it's a documentary... Um, stellar acting. That was really well... No, it was really well done, but I think the special effects 
were a little lacking and but it's not their fault i mean it was a story being told but I, it was it was that the hitchhiker story was a little hey. it just made me laugh it didn't make me scared but like it made me laugh <laughs> they, so much they had him fade away like a like a like a soap opera like a soap opera flashback scene or something <laughs> like fade slowly Wayne's <laughs> like oh no no not a flashback no <laughs> Well, I still re- recommend it. So if you need something to watch this, well, I know now Halloween's over, but if you want to watch something for this, if you're not into Christmas movies and Christmassy and Thanksgiving-y. There are no Thanksgiving-y movies. There is two. Name one. Dutch. I don't know what that is. That's the one with Ed O'Neill, and he goes picks up his girlfriend's son from boarding school, and they have this big old to get home for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And they both basically he is resentful that his dad canceled Thanksgiving, but like having Thanksgiving with him, so he makes like Ed O'Neill's life on this road like a little bit of hell until they put aside their differences and make it home for his mom. I've never seen that one. Really, it's a really good movie. I like. Well, I remember liking it because that used to be the Thanksgiving movie that everyone would want to watch for some reason. Thanksgiving movies I usually ended up watching, which ironically still had nothing to do with with thanksgiving and was usually either because these are the movies that they they would play on like fox or whatever like you know like thanksgiving like there was like home alone or a star wars movie of some sort now you can just make your own thanksgiving movie. yeah like any movie can be a thanksgiving (laughs) movie it's whatever who cares right well so basically if you want your own thanksgiving movie to be this documentary uh it is a pretty good documentary but here's my short history the term Bridgewater Triangle was first coined by author Lauren Coleman, who wrote about the stories within the borders of Massachusetts towns of Abington, Freetown, and Rehoboth. Roboth. 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 Okay. In his 1983 book, Mysterious America. Now, the triangle host stories everything from cryptid creatures such as Bigfoot, Thunderbirds, to UFO and ghost sightings. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And other paranormal activity. Unsolved mysteries, cults, deaths have also been linked to the area. There's even some thought that even though this is triangle, that there's really no borders that the strange occurrences have bled farther in and out of Massachusetts. There are too many stories for our short program, but the documentary was good and covered many of the stories. So I've picked a couple of the stories that I like from there and one in particular and i did a little bit of research online and just got a little bit of um stories from online i did too like i, I think I, I found like three and i was yeah. like oh, okay but yeah i could throw out a couple more if like i just remembered like really little short tidbits of it well, because there's a lot yeah they had some great interviews like with paranormal investigators in different towns and different areas and they had folklore stories oh there was this great part in the documentary where one of the guys, and I don't think we're either doing it, was talking about the Native American legend about this rock. And I, and again, I watched this in September, so I can't remember. But as they were talking, they were talking about this symbolic, I think it was belt, and that was lost from this Native American chief. Pumpum belt. Yes. And as they were talking about it, one of the lights went off. And they were like, oh, okay, well, that's weird. Oh, yeah, I remember. He was like, wait, did you guys see that? Yeah, and then they mentioned the bell again, and the second light went off. The second light went off, and even the director was like, "What the hell? That's weird." And so, they, I mean, it, had, it has the documentary has some interesting moments, so I, I really enjoyed it. 
Now, in the documentary, the author, Lauren Coleman, talks about, oh, he's also in there because he owns, like, a little shop. And he talks about his findings. One interesting story involving the famous Hockamock Swamp, and there are many stories, but this one involved his continuous hearing stories about snakes. So sometime in the 1930s Depression era, Coleman would hear about workers for the CCC going into the wooded swamp and seeing giant snakes as large as stovepipes. And the workers would run out the woods because, as most know, giant snakes are not common in America, especially in the Massachusetts area. So that was just my first, like, real story, not real story, my first story, just like this really quick one. But he had, like, this cryptid shop, uh, cryptid shop, and he has, like, there's Bigfoots, and there's Thunderbirds, and there's Pudwudgies, all in serious stories. And I like the giant snake story because I don't really hear about many giant snakes. Now, I've heard a lot of Bigfoot stories, a lot of hairy ape stories, a lot of flying object stories, but not too many serpent stories. Did it start singing, trust in me, just in me? What's that from? Jungle Book. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it. Not the cartoon and not the live action. You know, just move on. I, I can't with you right now. Well, that was my first story. Do you want me to keep going on with the second story, or do you have a story? Oh, you can go on. Okay. So, well, no, my second story is a ghost story. So, you go next. So, my first story was just a snake. It was just to whet our appetites. Consider it wet. Oh, yeah. So, my first one that I'm doing is one that you just mentioned from that dude's shop. I'm going to cover Puckwudgies. Nice. I love saying that, Pudgy. I know, right? It's like when you get mad at somebody, you want to just call them something that they're like, what the heck is that? You're like, you like, you quiet, you little Pudgy. I don't know if I like that. It's like, was it good or bad? I know, now I have get, like Jim Garrison, Garrison, what's his name? Jim? Jim Gaffigan? Yeah, in my head doing that, like, I don't know about that. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's doing that voice again. <laughs> Okay, so anyways, Puckwudgies are magical little people of the forest. They're in Native, in Native American folklore, similar to a European gnome or fairy. Uh, their stories told throughout northeastern U.S., southeastern Canada, and the, and the Great Lakes regions, which is pretty much what we're talking about right now is the Great Lakes regions. I thought uh, Great Lakes were like Michigan and up in that area. My geography skills are limited, so you might be right. I really need to put my map up. My mom bought me a map. We should really put it up. We should one of these days because we're terrible at that. I know. The 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 nature of the Pukwudgie varies in folk in the folklore of different tribes. The Ojibwe and Great Lakes tribes consider them to be mischievous and good natured, but is also prone to playing tricks on people. But they're not dangerous. The Abenaki and I hope I pronounce this with the Algonquian. Yeah. It's just Tribes like... consider them dangerous, but only if you treat them with disrespect. But the Wampanoag and the tribes of the of southern New England, which is kind of the area I think that the these legends is, come from, yeah. yeah, are considered to be capricious and dangerous. They play, they do play tricks, but they're just as likely to steal children and commit deadly acts of sabotage. Wow. 
So literally like kind of like what fairy stories are in Europe. Basically. Like it just depends on where you're at. Some would be like, oh yeah, they help cobble your shoes and stuff like that. And then the next minute they'll, they'll slit your throat in the middle of the night. <laughs> They're just capricious little things. They're described as being three to four feet tall. Name means uh, person of the wilderness. Literal, their literal, literal, literal translation. Actually, there's a bunch of different names they go by, but you know, I didn't write all those down because there's a lot of them. They're very similar to each other. Mm. They're sometimes said to have a sweet smell and are so sometimes associated with flowers, which belies their sinister nature. Ooh. They have smooth, hairy, gray skin and large ears, and have a reputation for mischief and mayhem, which kind of already went over. But you know, they. Apparently, they were once friend, known to be friendly to humans, but turned against them later on. Because that's, you know, it's not a tough decision to make. You know, humans kind of suck, so. Like, you know, I would probably turn against them, too, if I was a Pukwudgie. Like, hey, these guys used to be cool, and then they started with their civilization and whatnot. Now, man, screw that. They're typically, they, they are blamed for people who have fallen off of cliffs disappeared or mysteriously died in the forests and such now here's a kind of a little tale a little story that i found of somebody who claims to have encountered a puckwudgie so this is a man named bill russo senior who lived a few hundred yards from the infamous hockamock swamp who one night while walking his rottweiler samantha stopped at a cross street when the dog refused to go any further they're walking, dog just plants its heels in and says, nope, not going anywhere. So Russo, he felt something nearby before he actually saw it. But he heard something calling out in like a strange language. Like it was, it was just like, like somebody was like repeating like a phrase or something like over and over again, right? But he couldn't understand the words. Then he sees something. Out, moving around in the shadows, and then he sees it kind of walking slowly out into the center of a circle of light that was cast by a street lamp. And whatever it was, it was small and hairy, with a pot belly, and kind of what he described as a chipmunky face. That's so creepy, though. Like, just that that dark night, and you're, this is something that's coming out of the woods like that? Yeah, and then he says the creature raised its hand or paw, however you want to look, think of it, and... Had its, had its palm upturned and cupped like it was beckoning, going like, you know, like, come here, come here, kind of. It was still calling out in that strange kind of like using whatever phrase it was kind of repeating over and over. And it said it was getting more and more kind of high pitched as it kept going. Like it was getting more like, like, get over here, come on, you know, like. Ugh. So the dog... Samantha visibly just terrified of this and he said and he kind of went over the how this dog has like normally has no fear like apparently oh she knew what was she she apparently went after a bison at one point like and try and attacked it through a fence and drove the bison away you know, it's like so she has no fear. Yeah, the dog's like whatever. I don't. I'll. I'll take on all comers. And then now this whatever this little three to four foot thing was, the dog was having none of it. Oh man! And so he Russo kind of just felt that he's like, okay, you know, this is this is not right. I think to get out. So he turned around and walked home as fast as humanly possible. I love it. He nope the heck out of that. He's like, nope. Let's I go. I ain't trying to get in. He's like, I was. He was as close to that thing as he wanted to be. And then he was like, no, I ain't. I ain't. No. So, because these things are are also known for, like, luring people into the forest and then killing them. 
Wow, so, okay, so I didn't know that. I mean, I've heard of putt wedgies, but I've never really realized that that's what they were. I thought they were more like gnomes. Well, that's basically kind of what they are. I mean, they're just small, furry little gnomes with big ears and stuff like that. Kind of just think, kind of think of like, I don't know, something like of a cross between like a little, like a small monkey and a cat with a yeah. human-y looking face or something. That's but, terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't want to mess around with that either. I'd Which be like, one would you want to run into, Bigfoot or Pudgewudgie? I would go with neither because I don't know what the. No, no. If you if you were like safely in a car or something, and one like and did that, walked out, and you didn't, you just saw it. You know the, these classic stories. You just saw it and then went back in the woods. Which one did you want to see? Probably Bigfoot. Yeah, me too. Because nobody's ever said, "Oh, Bigfoot uses magic." Like these people say, "Puckwudgies no magic." So I'm like, I don't know what the puckwudgies can do. It could turn me into a frog for all I, I think know. It's more scary because like Bigfoot will run away. They don't yeah. want it. They want to be left alone. And then the puckwudgies like, and I can like, respect that. And the puckwudgies like, come here, come here. Yeah. yeah, I can. I can respect being one left, being left alone. But something that's trying to draw me, like, come on, yeah. I got free puppies in here. I got free candy. It's like. I got free true crime episodes on for Forensic Files. Come on. Like, it's just all, all, all the puckwood you needs to be driving around an unmarked white van, you know? Like, <laughs> like come here. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, so, it, like, so the Bigfoot's basically Hulk. <laughs> he's just like, everybody. he wants everybody to leave him alone, but everybody keeps hunting after him. And he's like, come on, guys. I just want to be left alone. Hulk doesn't want to smash, but I will. That's I will. Great. Oh, and wait, does that mean the Putwudgie's Loki? Because mm. he's the smallest one. He's mischievous. And mischievous. Oh, And when nice. they say mischievous, they mean he's deadly. And unpredictable. Huh? huh? Ah. Oh, that's a Loki if oh. I ever heard one. Mm. Wait, I'm sorry. We interrupted. I didn't want to go on to my... Oh, no. That's, that's pretty much all. Is that I, it? Yeah, okay. that's all I have for Puckwudgies. That's good. Oh, my gosh. I would have been so scared if I was that guy. Because, like, Baxter the other night, Chris was telling me that he jumped in a bush and got a dove. And I'm all like, are you serious? Like... <laughs> A sign of peace, and her dog was trying to kill it. But like, it you brought it's... bad luck down upon your home for for the next six generations. I know, but but dogs are they do have that protective instinct. So when they're scared, though, and they don't want to, ma- especially something like Rottweilers and things like that. Is like generally they're not like they're not mean dogs, but they are protective. They're protective, and they do not know fear. Yeah, well, they guard. It's like I, I had a German Shepherd growing up, and I had a German Shepherd with Chris. That was our first dog together. And, I mean, the dog was so sweet because we would have a fight, and I would be sleeping on the couch, and, and the dog kept just going back and forth. They're like, nope. She was our school mom. She was like, nope, this isn't going to happen. Let's talk about this. Like, you know, and and like, just having a dog who was, like, so scared. Like, the like last week, that werewolf mm-hmm. episode where the canine didn't want and did not want to go in the woods to chase whatever like jump the fence like yeah. that's cool guys we're staying here yeah it's like dogs know like you know what i i know about things that i can take on and i know things that i can't take on if it doesn't even know what the heck that thing is it has better instincts than us i really think that because like dogs are no we're not doing this we're just i'm at the crossroads here do not listen to that thing and even i mean even the guy kind of walking towards them you know, to the pud wedgie, I mean, I bet you he only stopped because he had a leash still in his hand and was like, oh, she's not coming with mm-hmm. me. Who like, knows what if, if he would have kept on going. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's so scary. It'd be creepy if the dog actually understood what the thing was saying. <gasps> oh, my The dog's God. like, uh, no, it's saying it's going to kill you and eat your skin. Yeah, you, no, no, we're no, not no, doing this. No, no, we're not doing this. Okay, so that's my thing. So what's your next? Mine's a ghost story. All right, so uh, again, I watched this about um, a month ago. 
I think this is the one I got offline, but it's a ghost story. And it's just one of many ghost stories in this town, in, in this whole area. And in the documentary, they had paranormal investigators. They talked about cemeteries and roads and ghost lights and hitchhikers. And this one, it's about the, and you may have to help me with it. What was it called? The Tauntaun? Tauntaun, yeah. The Tauntaun State Hospital. So built in 1854, the Tauntaun State Hospital, once a massive asylum, is now allegedly haunted. The old building was torn down in 2009, but the state hospital remains open. So basically... And it's not open to the public. So this isn't one of those like Waverly Hills where it's it's abandoned and there's caretakers and people go in and stuff. I think people, there's still an older section. And I think this is where people see allegedly the activity. Why are asylums always haunted? Pain. I bet you it's just like what we talked about last week. Pain, death. It just it imprints. I, I'm not lying. I, I think that places like that just imprint. That was me. Sorry, I hit my foot. Oh. Okay, so the stories range from the place having ghosts to the area being very creepy, strange, or just something off about it. Some reports slash stories are simple of people seeing mist surrounding buildings, of people walking around, and of this like seeing, I think it, they how people were talking about it in these stories, it was almost like a hauntingly beautiful kind of, you see this weird mist kind of come in and it almost looks like someone walking before it kind of gets goes to like a mist again and that to me would be something that would probably be one of those things that would be off-putting more than scary you know what I mean like what did I just see I'm not quite sure what I'm watching now the main part was closed in 1975 and in 1999 the dome collapsed and in 2006 a fire broke out in the center of the building so this is the older part of the building now, some believe the killer, such as serial killer Jane Toppin, a nurse who killed her patients, is said to be so evil that one of the reasons the hospital would be haunted would be that she's still there. <laughs> Sorry, that was my dog. I didn't scare me. It did scare me. It just startled me because I forgot that she was there. Okay, sorry guys. We had to pause a little bit to get let my dog out because she just startled me. Uh, so, going back... They think the hospital might be haunted because of the serial killer, this nurse. And there's other legends, including a possible satanic cult and rituals being performed in the hospital. Oh, there's like all kinds of places in the Bridgewater Tribe where they always say like satanic cults are big. And, and yeah. there's like a place called like The Ledge. Yes, where, I, that was in the movie too. Yeah, and it was like people like be sacrificed. They, they'll find like animals like drained of blood and stuff like that on there. It's like, okay. If you if you like true crime, the documentary does cover it. I, I didn't cover it in this one because it's, it's not really... Sometimes we do true crime, but I think because of the holidays coming up and stuff, like sometimes with... with True crime, I love listening to my favorite murder and listen to those stories, but sometimes I have to take a step back, and especially if they're really, like, they really get you in the gut, and they had, um, I think it was a child killer, a yeah. couple. Yeah, they, who, they had a bunker, like yes. an underground bunker out in the forest somewhere or something and like that, and they, they had dolls. Yes, and in one of the, and in the documentary, I think they had one of the detectives talking about finding uh, if the girl was alive or not, but it, I think she was tied to a tree, and so it's like... I, I oh, no, heard... She, yeah, no, she was dead. Oh, I remember. God. 
yeah, I um, I think yeah, I think I just I stopped the video for a little bit because you know it's a, it's intense when you hear those stories. If if I'm prepared for it, like you know, with my favorite murder, I guess I'm a little used to a little bit of humor, so then that way when I I start feeling too anxious. But uh, so I didn't really want to cover the cold stories too much in depth. But yeah, yeah you're completely one hundred percent right. There's a lot of little areas where a lot of weird evil stuff went down nothing's creepier than people and what they can do to other people yes exactly okay so where was i um the claims of the basement is a haunted place have reports of icy cold areas down there that people would go down there and it'd just be this ice box they would walk through the woods is said to you hear moans and cries for help and having strange lights within the woods in the building itself, reports of a man in white is seen on the third floor, vanishing from sight in front of witnesses, or even seen crawling along the wall. In my mind, like what they call like, a creeper, like someone who kind of goes on the wall and stretches. Mm. Have you seen those on like a couple of ghost hunters have caught them? The best one I saw was Paranormal Lockdown. And the camera guy was not really a believer, and he was sitting there, and they were trying to do, they, they were doing this interview, like, well, you know, I think this hallway, and it was the, the two hosts, and they were, like, talking about it, and the, the cameraman was like, there is something behind you. Like, he freaked out, and when they reviewed it, there was this thing just crawling along behind them mm-hmm. in the dark. It, it's the best footage I've ever seen. It's so creepy. I'd be like, so what was in this ghost's mind where they felt like, you know what, I'm going to feel like crawling on the walls. Well, yeah, one minute mm-hmm. he's, like, standing there, and that's minute you're seeing the same kind of, like, man in white crawling on the wall. Like, oh, my gosh, it's so creepy to think about. Now, some patient said... Uh, it said recent, but I'm not sure if this means 2005 or later. Have seen um, the man in white standing in the corner of bedrooms watching people. So it, those stories, I don't know if it's talking about patients that the hospital's still open. I couldn't find anything like really, like even I kind of looked on Reddit threads and I couldn't really find anything like patients or people who visit the hospital seeing this, these. And so I'm thinking that they probably were older stories when the hospital was still open before the fire justin white it could be an could be somebody who was like an orderly or something orderly like that a doctor yeah nurse now the classic reports of cold spots and lights turning on and off were also reported throughout the building that one just creeped me out especially with the man like seeing him either standing in the corner watching you on the ceiling like ugh. Those stories just, like, creep me out so bad. Makes you you wonder why, like, you always wanted to see, like, if there's that one person who sees this thing standing in the corner, staring, it gets gets up and walks, and he's like, yo, man, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? Uh, Nope. You you looking at me? Are you looking at me? Yeah. Do I amuse you? (laughs) You think I'm a clown? Okay. You want me to do potty tricks for you? Got a red honky nose? Yeah. No, I think you would just do what you always said on the podcast. You see someone standing there and it disappears. You probably would be like, nope. And you would like be getting out of your bed. Like, nope. Like, you have an IV, just dragging it out. The nurse is like, sir, sir, you're going to have to stay here. Like, not in this room. Nope. Like, I'm going to go sleep out in the parking lot. <laughs> you would nope the heck out there. He's like, sir, where'd you get that can of kerosene? Like, no, no. <laughs> gonna do some sketchy crap. Do-da, do-da, <laughs> hope I get away with it, oh, the do-da day. Okay, so what's your next one? So my next one is the Dover Demon. Mm. So this one's like a little short one. But there was, this happened in like 1977. So the, in, during this time, that there was about, 
mostly teenagers, it seemed like. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt, but it's still kind of an int- a cool little, little one-off here. The Dover Demon, as it was called, because it was a, a small humanoid that was reported from Dover, Massachusetts, described as looking like one of the gray varieties of aliens. You know, like the little tall, thin ones with a big bulbous head and... The black eyes. Black eyes, yeah. yeah. The only difference is that it was only similar in appearance, but the skin color said was said to have been more of a rosy orange instead of a sickly gray color. Really? Yeah, and it had a large head on a small stick-like body. Sounds about right. Head was said to be bipedal, but often was seen traveling on all fours or switching back and forth. What is some like? What is the idea of this something on all fours or crawling? I don't know why that's so creepy. For because us. it's something you would typically see in like an animal. You usually see a, someone on all fours, yeah, crawling towards you, like true. That's why, like when ghosts, when they do, when ghosts do that kind of stuff in the movies or whatever, it's like it looks so unsettling. You're like, yes. oh god, they're just like, like yes. crawling. It's like, oh god, that's creepy. <laughs> Look like a bug or something. But now imagine if it's like this weird. That'd be like if you were watching Bigfoot and it did it. Like, okay, is that a bear? Well, I'd be okay. Maybe his it would be like a bear, but okay, a putt wedgie. Mm. There's like skittle or skittering around on the ground, yeah. like a spider or something. Ooh. So. Yeah. That gave me shivers. <laughs> so the Tover demon has eyes that glow, have that are said to have, be able to glow either orange or green. No association with UFOs. It just states that it just kind of wanders about on its own. Wow. So whatever it is, it's not an alien. It's, well, it's, who knows? But it's not like a UFO alien. Oh, okay. So it's not, it's not like they see lights and then they see the, the demon. demon. Yeah, yeah no. No. They just oh, see wow. it just kind of wandering around. So the sightings began on April 21st of 1977, uh, began at 10.32 p.m. on that date. So the first one was witnessed by a 17-year-old named William Bartlett and two of his friends. I think they were, they were driving around in a car. They saw it standing on, top, standing on a wall, and when the headlights hit its eyes, it glowed. Kind of like a cat, you know, like the headlights are just like... Glows. So, yeah, not human. Yeah. And it had an egg-shaped head. So Bartlett said it looked like a child with a distended stomach. And we, we know that those kind of, what those look like from, like, you know, the things where, you know, malnourished children, they've got, like, the big little the belly. pot belly thing. So it said it kind of looked like that. Um, had no mouth, ears, or nose. Oh, man. These things, this would so, okay, this is scarier than the putt wedgie. Like, this mm-hmm. would creep me off if I saw something like this. So it was also cited by 15-year-old John Baxter and his girlfriend as they were walking near a heavily wooded area. He states that he was within 15 feet of the creature. It had large eyes and tendril-like hands and was standing next to a tree. Wow, that's a description. Like the tendril-like hands. Like it's like, like really long, thin weird fingers and stuff. It was also seen, this is this is the last one that they really went into, is very similar. It was seen by another 15-year-old named Abby Brabham, a stand, also standing near a tree. Now, all of these sightings were seen in like a, basically like a straight line up to two miles long, and all of them were near a water source. How long? Like, was it weeks, days? Like, was this thing traveling, like, down the road and people it were really seeing was it, only, or? it? Well, it really was only seen, like, that year. 
like so it just seventy seven and seems like in modern times no one's seen any sightings of it. So whatever it was, it came, it went, and it's gone. It's gone now. Wow. Or at least okay. supposedly gone. I thought like if it was in the same night and it was just like oh in two miles of you know people saw it ten minutes apart, be like oh that's a fast thing then. We walked around on all fours so. <sighs> So that's the Dover Demon. So, like I said, it was a little short thing, but I thought it was kind of cool. Oh, the, yeah. the 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 fifteen year old John Baxter he actually he actually wrote drew a little sketch, and it's like the one that you usually see if you look up the Dover Demon. I'll have to see if there's maybe if it's common license and I can put it up on on Instagram. Yeah. Okay, I have to check it out. Good yeah. one. What's your next one? Just a short one. It is a UFO story. And it has like a little funny ending for me. So it's very short. The story was featured in, in the documentary and it was really quick. But I liked it. I don't, I don't know why. But it starts off in 1908 mm. on Halloween night. Ooh. Two undertakers drive in their carriage report that they saw an unusually bright lantern in the sky. There's a side note that I put that in the documentary, they show a newspaper clipping, and I am one to read all the old-timey headlines. So they got this story from the newspaper about these two undertakers, and basically that's the story. They were driving in a carriage, they saw what appears to be a light in the sky, and didn't know what it was, and they reported it. That's it. Hmm. So their, their old-timey headline is just such a... Flying Dutchman of the skies has been reported at night over various parts of New England. Like, literally, you don't have titles like that anymore. Like, just such a flying Dutchman of the skies have been reported at night over various parts of New England. How great is that instead of being like, hey, two men saw a UFO. You know, that's what it would be today. Like, this just in, 1908, Massachusetts. Two undertakers see a flying Dutchman in the sky. Exactly, that was perfect. Now, I'm also one to read all the, like, sometimes I'll pause the movie if I can, and I'll read all the other articles. And my favorite one, the other headline read, Von Burlo to be made butt. <laughs> I would want to read that. This is a favorite 1908 speak. <laughs> I know, right? It's like another language. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I just also like... I like these legends too because it's like it's a lantern in the sky because now it's like oh it's a bright light like we don't say lantern and we don't say like imagine being in 1908 trying to describe this thing you know i like to think that like the the if the ufos are actually coming down here that they're somehow downloading or snapping off these little snippets of headlines and stuff that are talking about them and like oh let's see how they describe us this time Oh, this one said we looked like something called a home base. I don't know what that means, but, you know. It said it's by something from baseball. Jerry, you know what baseball is? I like that his name is Jerry. Right. (laughs) That's like, it reminds me of when I went on the E.T. ride at Universal Studios for the longest time. Oh, God, I remember that one. And I remember loving it when I was a kid. I mean, I loved it. And my magic was broken when I was behind these two people in their 20s and I must have been I don't know how old I was but I was just kept riding that like I would get in my my parents would just like we're gonna get some lunch ride this as much as you want and I would ride it like 10 times in a row I did that when I went in like what eighth grade I think I, when I went to that was the first and only time I ever got a chance to go to Universal Studios and I, I basically spent all my time me and my friend we spent all our time on the ET ride and 
God bless it because I miss it so much. The Back to the Future ride. Yeah. Well, it's the E.T. ride's no longer there, but in the ride, if you remember this, is, you know, you basically have the end of the movie where you're, like, in... in the, the ride's basically you're in a bicycle and you have E.T. Yeah. in front of you and stuff. And you do the whole jump and then you do the whole goodbye. And then the last part of the ride is you go into, like, E.T. land, basically, and it's basically the other planet, and you see everyone, and everyone's like, E.T., welcome home, E.T. And this one woman in front of me was watching it, and she's like, I don't understand. Why are they calling him E.T.? That was our name for him. And I'm all like, stop ruining my childhood. <laughs> and because I, to this day, I remember that because I, I couldn't get my head around it. Like, why? That's a loophole. That That's a story plot hole. Why were they calling him E.T.? Because it, it meant extraterrestrial so I'm like why were his friends calling him E.T. <laughs> back on his planet well, I mean his name could have been like Egbert Thorenstein you know you don't know, like, know. Was... so that's how my childhood was ruined with the UFOs childhoods were meant to be ruined at some point it okay. happens to the best of us well, anyway that was my that was just a very short one I just like that story about two undertakers <laughs> I know it seems on Halloween oh yeah the old Big, big night for them, I would imagine. What's your next one? So my next one, and I've actually kind of already done this before in a, in a, in a much earlier episode, but not with an actual like eyewitness story. This is about Thunderbirds. Love it. Love it. Josh Gates did that in um, Expedition. No, in Destination Truth. Love a good Thunderbird story. So again, just to kind of re-go re over re-go over we go over one more time what thunderbirds is is a is a figure from native american folklore they're giant birds basically giant giant birds that whose wing flaps like sound like thunder and depending on what stories you're looking at they can uh bring the storms and rain and things like that which can either be used to to help humans or be like you know like divine punishment kind of thing so this they thunderbirds have been said to be in the bridgewater triangle so this story was in 1971 you can see a lot of things going on in the 70s in bridgewater apparently so it was witnessed by a sergeant thomas downey of the norton massachusetts police department in 1971 this occurred in early morning. I mean, early, early morning. It was like barely out. It was like sometime. It was after midnight, basically. It was that early in the morning. Ironically enough, Bird Hill at the edge of the haunted Hockamock Swamp. So again, here we are with the Hockamock Swamp. That swamp. There's something weird about that area. It's just basically like the focal point of most of the weird stuff that happens in, in the Bridgewater area. Uh, so Downey... Completed his shift in Norton and was driving through a neighboring area, uh, town called Mansfield to get to his home one town further up the road in Easton. So this is like I said, it was well after midnight when he finally reached Bird Hill, where when he spotted a massive bird with a flying with a wingspan far larger than the width of the police car. Wow. He stated the enormous creature then dropped down to the pavement and towered two to three feet above the roof of his car, which gave it like a total of about six feet in height. He estimated the wingspan of this, of this as he 
described he almost described it as a pterodactyl like creature to be about almost about probably about t- 10 to 12 feet wow that's huge then Downey stopped his vehicle at, a, at an intersection and studied the, the the giant creature when it flapped its its wings and flew straight up and over the trees before disappearing into the darkness of the Hockamock Swamp. Downey then reported the incident to the Eastern Police. A car was dispatched, but after checking the area, no giant bird was spotted, or pterodactyl, or whatever. Now, there was, besides the Native American folklore, there's also, there was also a bird more in prehistoric times that they called basically a thunderbird, and it was like like the ancestor of like the vulture. And these birds were, were massive, too. Like, I think they said it could have, like, oof, I don't know, like, it was, like, like a 20-foot wingspan or something like that. I mean, it was, they were big. They're basically just considered, like, a, a vulture, like, the size of a small horse, more or less. But, you know, that was just, like, a regular prehistoric bird, not, like, a something that create. But then he describes it as a pterodactyl-like creature, so. Wow, so he could have, I mean, nowadays... There's so many things that we discover that we thought were extinct or didn't know were out there. Mostly, I know they're in the oceans and stuff, but, like, be interesting to see, like, if someone did find something that was, like, a prehistoric bird. Yeah, it would be interesting, like, some kind of, like, a offshoot that somehow survived the extinction of all those animals. and Yeah, and just live somewhere that humans don't, like, way up in the mountains or, like, somewhere we just don't think about. Because you could imagine, like, it would be easy to, like, especially if it flew around at night. Like, I mean, we know that bats exist, but how often can we say, like, in the middle of the night when it's pitch black outside, you can see a bat flying around? Unless you're in that certain area that they're, that they that they really frequent. Like, you know, yeah. for us, to be in North Fresno. Yeah. But, I mean, even still, there's usually enough light source, like, in the area where you can kind of still see it flying around. But if you're in the yeah. middle of the forest, and there's, like, no nearby light source except for whatever the, the whatever the night sky is showing. Oh, and you just hear something. Yeah, and you can't see it, so yeah. you don't know what you're seeing. So, yeah, it could live in these and forests. And if, if it just happens to be gliding oh. or something, like... Wow. You just... You don't even have, notice. So have they seen it since the 70s? No. And people were hounding him about, you know, like, especially once, like, the cryptid thing kind of started picking up speed and, like, people started wanting more information about it. Yeah. I think in, like, 1981, he finally just said, look, I am not doing this anymore. <laughs> I it must be get frustrated. And that's why, like, when people say, hey, I saw something, but I don't want to come forward. And people are like, why aren't you coming forward? It's like, you know, like some people, people think... don't want it, like, that they don't believe. It's just, I think, that they just want their privacy. They, they experience something. They're trying to put their head around it. And they don't need 20, 30 people to tell them what it, what it is that they saw or what they think it means. Or... or whether or not they're crazy. Yeah, it's like, I just think that you should be respectful. That's why, it's like why I like to hear the stories. And, again, if you guys, like, want to tell stories of seeing cryptids, ghosts ufos you know feel free to give it to us and even if you don't want us to read it online uh online on the podcast i mean i think it's just something so amazing for someone to say this is what i saw and and just share that and put it out there because like i don't know what it is i don't want to talk about it again but mm-hmm. there might be this might help someone or someone might be interested in this because there's there's so many like you have like the big questions that humans that we as humans have yeah. Are we alone in the universe? What happens after we die? 
do we know every creature that walks on the walks a planet with us? I feel like the answer to that is yes, who knows, and probably not. <laughs> well, I like that story. No, we're not alone with you, I, I messed that one up. No, who knows, probably some kind of afterlife, and I feel bad for the ones that don't get to move on to it. Ooh, good segue. Got my last ghost story. You want to hear it? Yes. Okay. I need you guys picture in your head. Little house in the prairie. Hmm. One calls the heart. Just want you to picture that one house schoolhouse. One room schoolhouse. Okay. Little bell on the front. Ding, 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 ding. ding. Okay. So this is my absolute favorite ghost story of the documentary. And this one gave me so many chills. Like, it's my favorite. And even when you asked me... Oh, what stories did you do? I couldn't remember my other stories because, as you could tell, they were shorter. This one I remembered. And I made sure I'm like, don't do this one. Okay, so this one is in Rehoboth. Roboth? Roboth. Roboth. Ugh, see, I'm so bad at it. Yeah. Sorry, guys. There's an old schoolhouse. The Horbine School. H-O-R-H-B-I-N-E. Or it might be H-O-R-H-B-I-R-E. Can't read my handwriting. But... This school is one of those one-room schoolhouses, as, like, I gave you the example, Little House of Prairie, One Calls the Heart. So this schoolhouse is still there and is a museum today, and apparently people might reenact how children and teachers conduct a class. I remember being in in middle school, and we did, uh, well, elementary school, and we did, like, pioneer days where we all got to dress up and go into a classroom and sit on, like, a bench and write on chalkboards like oh yay we're like, I like, I like pioneer they, times i like how they do the pioneer but they never like have they never say okay let's experience all the the reels like oh you mean i get to experience diphtheria yay, yay. well they conduct i guess they conduct these you know demonstrations or at least that's what one person thought so one day a school teacher went to visit the schoolhouse in the museum with no one seemingly around, she did see the shutters on the side of the school were open. So she went up and looked into the classroom. And it was full of children and a teacher in the middle of a lesson. And she could see how the teacher was like shown to the board. At least that's in the kind of the reenactment they did. It wasn't a reenactment. It was like a, a cartoon kind of thing. And it was, I don't know, maybe that was why it made it so creepy to me mm. in the documentary. So excited, this teacher was like, oh my gosh, they're doing a historical recreation. And a teacher went up to the front of the building and pulled open the door, only to find it was locked. So she knocked on the door, but there was no one there. No one came to the door. And I guess she didn't hear anyone in there. So she went back to the window to view in. And now I'll tell you, I thought I knew where this story was going. I'm like, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to disappear, right? No. When she went back to the window, the class was still there, along with the school teacher, was the school marm. Let's like not get to the two teachers mixed up, but the marm. And the school marm was staring right at her very oddly. And as the school teacher watched from her spot on the window, the school marm and all the children faded away from her eyes. Mm. And so, oh my gosh, I gave me so much chills because if you think about it, okay, if, it, if she just went and they were gone, it could have been one of those like, ooh, I wonder what I saw. Did I really see it? But having something 
looked like it was teaching and then look right at you like like how dare you interrupt my lesson yes like like thanks a lot and then just disappear like we only get to be here for like 15 minutes a day. Oh, I was trying to cram as much in as I could. It just, like, and it didn't, like, she didn't say the story, the guy who told the story didn't mention if, they, like, the students turned around or anything like that. It was just the teacher looking at her students one minute. She goes around, she comes back, and she was literally looking at the window. Like, she knew whoever knocked on the door was going to come back to look through that window. It would be even creepier. And this is more like something that you probably see in a movie or something. Like you look, oh, it looks like a normal class where the teachers is like, and they'll knock on the door. Oh, no way he comes. I go to the window. They'll get same scene, but they all look like they're undead. Oh gosh, yeah, that would be so much creepier. Like they got wounds or sores all or over all them white. or something. Like. Yeah, and I've heard, I've read those stories before. Oh man, they are so creepy. But yeah, no, that was my absolute favorite story in the whole documentary because. Like I said, they did it with like a drawing, and it's only one guy. And this is the guy who is on the podcast for New England Legends, mm-hmm. and he just has such a good voice about the legends. But like when he was telling it, you're just sitting there, and I was so entranced. Where it's like, I don't like those stories where someone tells me they looked at someone, and sometimes it's nice. Like there was one on um, Beyond Belief where this woman gets on a plane, and the guy says, "Oh, do you want to switch seats so you can be by the window?" And the girl, the woman was all like, oh, maybe. And she looks over and there's a uh, flight attendant and she has this really intense stare. She's not smiling. And she looks at the woman passenger and shakes her head no. Doesn't say anything, but just shakes her head no. And the woman's like, oh, yeah, no, I better just stay in the seat. And then like later the the plane is based on, supposed to be based off a true story. The plane crashes and she survives, but like the seat next to her got pulled. Mm. like and and so if she sat in that seat she wouldn't have survived so it's like this weird thing of when people have that intense look and they just kind of like look at you and they like do like no or yes or fade away as in this thing <laughs> i don't know it's so creepy imagine like the school mom just giving her giving the teacher the finger like oh. like thanks for interrupting <laughs> like you know how hard it is to teach these kids well but they anyway. were pioneer days they had an attention span of like 10 seconds <laughs> Oh my gosh, but that, that's my favorite story of the whole bunch on the Bridgewater. And like we said, there's a bunch. There's hitchhikers, there's lights, there's Bigfoot, there's snakes, there's bears, lions, oh my. Like, you know what I mean? It's just... Unicorns. Oh my gosh, I would not be surprised if it was unicorns. There's true crime, like, there's everything folklore. Giant birds. Everything. So check out the documentary, or check it out. Like, I kind of wanted the book mysterious america but it's out of print so i'm gonna have to look at some wouldn't be surprised if you like go say oh like another legend from bridgewater triangle slender man moved over there now I know, it's right like, it's like all the topas everyone thinks like that come like if people think of topas is like yeah they all go to bridgewater that's where they live that's where they come from oh my gosh <laughs> they meet up there once a year like they have a little like a convention yeah oh you know it, it's kind of like uh what was it? You know, you know Oberon's court from like the the mythology, or like Oberon, king of the fairies, or whatever. And yeah, you know, like all the 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 fairies like would come from all over the world to like that to uh, the his island or whatever, like once every century or something like that. Yeah, maybe that's what Bridgewater is—just a big conference. Okay, well, we should probably wrap it up. 
But do you want to do our legendary shout-out? Yes. So, our legendary listeners. We have listeners, since we're doing Bridgewater, we're going to shout-out to our Massachusetts listeners in... Am I pronounced this wrong? I, ha- I When I looked it up, they had two pronunciations. Holyoke or Holyoke, Massachusetts. You guys got some a lot of downloads from over there. Really hope you guys are still listening. You guys got a lot of problems in your area. Let me <laughs> I tell you. I don't think they're in the triangle. I think they're like an hour away. But, but it bleeds. Oh, it bleeds. Oh, yeah. So, hey, if you guys, listeners in Holyoke, if you guys have any good stories or want to follow up or correct anything that we no. said, Have you ever been driving down the highway and accidentally hit a puck wedgie or something? You know, like, let us know. We'd love to hear it. But thank you guys so much for listening. We got a lot of downloads from you guys. Really appreciate it. Okay, Jay, you want to take us home? Yep. This has been another exciting and successful episode of Legends in the Dark. My name is Jay. And I'm Leslie. Your purveyors of the paranormal and your curators of the creepy. Keep that Halloween spirit, even though Christmas is pretty much knocking on our front door right now. I'm Krampus! I'm coming over for turkey! No, Krampus, you stay there! Stay in Christmas where you belong! <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night.